0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time once again for the Snobcast. And this month, of course, we don't have Shady month. She's out editing her movie that we've been talking about on Everywhere. Uh, but one of the stars of that movie is uh, our usual
1: suspect here, Mr. Nick Ripley. Nick, say what's up, buddy. What's good, everybody? Happy to do this uh, podcast today. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm really excited about it, too. Honestly, and then back again after her month absence. Dr. Gina Delgado. Say what's up, Gina.
2: What's up, everyone? He's love, and chicken grease.
0: October is Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, and all three of us here are Central American descent, some way or another. We're going to be talking about some amazing films that are either written, directed, star, or are in the language of the colonizer, that is Spanish, uh, <laughs> or takes place in one of these beautiful countries here in Central South America. Uh, and i'm really excited for these picks we'll start of course because ladies first with gina we're going to talk about your three movies let's start with with whichever of the three you want to start with
2: uh i'm going to start with territorio by uh, yeah, good choice. Rangel. Um it is a mexican movie actually um and it is directed by andres clarion rangel, no, rangel yes i believe so i just it says andres clarion Clar- clarion but I seen it with his other name as well. Anyways, Territorio is about a couple, it's it's a drama thriller, and it's about a couple that wants to conceive, but they find out that the guy cannot make babies. And so (sighs) this movie has this theme of like how machismo plays a role in Mexican um, culture, and how uh, in this movie he finds his friend who works with him um, as the donor, for, for his baby. Uh, he's not happy because he can't make a baby. Uh, and so he ends up kind of are, are orchestrating this like weird relationship with a guy and his girlfriend um, or his wife. And, and they end up liking each other. But then he's like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? So he, he starts going crazy. He, you could see how his insecurity of just being not being fertile goes into like i'm not man enough i i can't provide i'm not you know what I mean? i'm not this i'm not that and so you see this this uh this inner tor- turmoil playing out with this character on how he can't have kids in the end like things don't go well <laughs> um, but the biggest the biggest takeaway that i got especially when it came to the, the character development was you can see him just degrading over time and how his jealousy his um his like hatred, his envy just kind of gets and eats at him and then the the girlfriend and the friend are like you suck. <laughs> and so it becomes it becomes a bit of a of a drama and there there is a big fight in it. The thing that I liked the the the, the, the theme in the way that these movies are filmed, at least the three that I picked, I noticed that I kind of felt claustrophobic. So the shots were were very close. You would never see an out shot of like where they are, maybe the building or maybe even the room, right? You would just see very close shots of them like, like as close as I am to my camera right now. And so it created this like tension between the characters where you can literally see them, they're both their faces in the in the pan shot, but you can't see anything else around them. So it's very highly concentrated on the way they interact. No, that's, I like that. that's super fun. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about uh, if the
0: territory in, you know in question is actually a person because when I was looking into the movie I noticed that it was about you know the synopsis you gave and I was I thought to myself wow that is how these machismo Hispanic men see their wives girlfriends ladies as mm-hmm. territory as something to be conquered
1: as something that they own. And I'm glad so that you that mentioned kind of that. The Masculine mindset.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so the 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 title territorio. Yes, it does mean territory, but it for some reason in English it it translated to close quarters, which is yeah. because the friend ended up moving in with them because he was a deadbeat, and so like that's that's how the English one. But I think territory is actually a better a better um title. Because he does, you know, see the wife as territory and he and he sees that his friend is encroaching on his territory, not only his wife, but his physical space as well. Um, and so it like I don't know why it's called close quarters as as uh in English.
0: Because when way, you know when they, they release these movies in English, they do whatever they want. They
2: just uh, yeah. <laughs> And here's
0: the thing, that's the other thing about being able to watch these films in their native language, is you can catch the little differences like the little colloquialisms or the little differences even even amongst spanish speakers you know mm-hmm. what i mean like if a movie takes place in argentina which we're going to get to there tends to be this little more e- more emphasis on certain vowel sounds certain ways of speaking that in mexico and central america they don't really use
2: right yeah like like uh in one of the other movies there was a scene where the girls like get out get out and in spanish and, and right yeah, I didn't say regular Spanish because <laughs> in Mexican Spanish, is salgate, salgate, right? Leave, right? But she was saying salí, salí, which is the the Argentine way of saying things. So they always, they, they have a different way of saying how to do things. If it tells you to do something like um, salí instead of salgate, or or the famous word uh, that is the toothpaste, Col- colgate in Spanish is colgate, colgate in Argentina (laughs) is go hang yourself.
0: (laughs) There's an even more glaring example in Mexican Spanish. If a loma is the the dove, it's a bird. That's not what it means in El Salvador. What does it mean? What? It's a uh, part of the male anatomy.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> funnily enough, when I studied abroad in Argentina, I want I was going to go hiking, and my uh and my uh, host mother was like, was like, "What do you need?" And I'm like, "I need a hat." But in in how do you say hat in Spanish?
0: Well, There's, it depends. You can say capa, or whatever. It's like fourteen different words.
2: Gorro, cachucha, right? Well, I said cachucha
0: is more of like a Mexican thing, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, I say a cachucha, right? She was like, what? I was like, oh, you? no. And she was like, you want a vagina on your head?
0: <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> I knew that was coming just based on the way that, that word sounds. Right? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. so, now this, uh, I, I love this because it feels like when you're talking about that culture, especially, there's a lot of rules. You know what I mean? For what is a man, what a woman is. I, one of the most glaring, stupid examples. And this, I, I saw this in an episode of Criminal Minds, and it made me laugh my ass off, because it's hilarious. And funny. They have the unsub, and they're in Mexico. And the unsub has a hammer and water on one side and a beer on the other. But they're assuming that they're looking for a man who's a unsub killing other men. But the tamarind water tells them that it's a woman because men don't drink tamarind. Oh,
2: it, oh. it turns
0: out that they were a cross-dressing man at the end of the episode.
2: So it it it, it uh, led them astray.
0: Correct, and you know the it was it's so funny to me because those little tiny stupid things are paramount to the culture. For every for every great thing that the culture has, there, there are these little things that hold them back.
2: Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. In this movie, like he was being held back by his machismo. I mean, not only did he see himself as like a like a proud man, he was also like someone who was a woodworker. So that's all like that's a very masculine mm-hmm. you know, profession to begin with. So and he was creating all of he created the crib, he created the chairs for for the baby and everything. And it was like all of his work. Yet he doesn't get to have the kid that he wants. And somehow, and somehow, it always was about him. It was always about his hurt, his need for his own kid. The fact that it wasn't going to be part of his DNA was a shame to him. And I'm like, if you really want to be a father, just be a father. Don't, don't sit there and like cry about your DNA. Like I get it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't get it. Cause I'm a woman. <laughs> so y'all, maybe you guys can enlighten me about this.
0: <laughs> no, I I can tell you that uh, that's about right, actually.
2: <laughs> so it was very like, you could see him, you could see it was just about him. He wasn't thinking about the situation. He was just thinking, I am a failure for not being able to reproduce a child, specifically a son. Okay. Cause ever, you know, that they want a son, right? So, so it, that that they movie always was do. It, very dramatic. Very much. And there was no move, there was no music in the background. No music was utilized in the background. It was very So everything
1: was diegetic,
2: basically. Yeah, just there was no music to be used as like an instrument to, to help you with the mood or anything. The whole like it was. It was up on the actors to figure out the mood of the scene. That's a
1: great technique to like up suspense when you don't have music. Yes. Like it's, it's, a, what it's it a great
0: also does, What it also does is it leaves, leaves a lot of focus on your actors and, mm-hmm. uh, and on the words that they're saying. And because the only noise that you hear is the actual, you know, dialogue. And I think that that changes, that can change the dynamic of a scene mm-hmm. um, when you don't have music. There's an example in one of your movies, Nick, that I think is. One of the movies you picked, the music is so important, and we'll talk about it when we will get there. But yes, but you can uh, feel
2: like the tension between people without the music having to tell you there's tension.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a great pick, and i I had never seen this before we were going to talk about this. So yeah. I definitely want yeah. to want to see that for sure. Yeah, if, they, if, you you, want, if, if you want if you want
2: a drama, that's a drama for you. Um, and if if, if you want something a little more commentary on machismo that one is actually all three of them have it but
0: <laughs> uh, yeah yeah there's quite a few, there's quite a bit of machismo in these selections here for sure yep. uh, honestly um, now what's your second one Gina what you got going on there uh
2: La Cienega which is called Cienega. is the swamp um in English uh La Cienega is a very pretty word um I this movie was made in the early 2000s and it also utilizes no music so you're you're very like you're very on the particular actors this mm. movie was one of those movies where you kind of just it's a glimpse into people's lives there's really no like storyline per se it's more of like this is how people are and how they exist um what was great about it not great but what was i guess really captivating about it was that each family member was so uh like stoic it was weird it was weird like the way that they reacted to each other was very bland and like like one note but there was still a lot of emotion happening I don't know how to explain that um in addition it's about a family who has um servants in and they are they're well off. I'm assuming they're middle class, upper middle class. And I remember when I was in Argentina, my, um, my host mother also had a, had someone who cleaned the house and would come here and there. Um, and she would, she, she would call them indios, you know, like, uh, she would, she would differentiate, differentiate herself from the brown people right and so in this movie it's about this woman who who has these servants and like constantly berates them for being brown like uh even to the, the kids are like you indians all you guys like you guys like fondling dogs blah 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 like just talking mm. shit on them to their face and they're just sitting there like i gotta mm. get paid i gotta do my job i gotta get paid um, but it, it really does a juxtaposition between the privilege of the white argentinians compared to the brown argentinians and how they're treated um uh also it the the, the woman in the family she's just a drunk she's just a motherfucking drunk and she like she like cuts herself from like like falling from being drunk the parents are always drunk the kids are miserable like it was this really weird like one note movie, I, I wouldn't suggest watching it because it really didn't have like a up or down. It was just kind of like, here are people living, here are they just drinking wine all the time and being mean to to brown people. <laughs> that was that movie. Yeah.
0: Sometimes those slice of life movies can be really, really introspective though. And I, I, I mm-hmm. like that this explores a big problem in Latin America and a whole, another big problem, and that is the differentiation between the lighter skinned, fair skinned n- non-natives, and then the native indios that mm-hmm. grew up there, whether they're mestizo in Central America or, you know, of Incan descent in South America, a lot of them get, you know, uh, depreciated by the other people, and this happens a lot in Brazil particularly. Mm-hmm um wow. where they're sort of discriminated against uh, and so i like that you're talking about this film that does that one of the things that i because i have seen this movie it's actually in the criterion collection it's a really spectacular film by lucretia Martel. um one of the things i like about this movie is it doesn't make them good guys they're not by any means good people um and it shines a full light on the fact that these people are a bunch of assholes they're rich yeah they don't care Do your job shut up and we'll maybe we'll throw some pennies at you brown kid
2: right oh no oh no and it reminded me of just the subtle racism that i experienced down there because although i am panamanian i do look chilena over there because the chilenos from chile are darker than those in mendoza on on the argentine side and so i would just be mistaken for a brown girl like their type of brown girl all the time Um, until I'd open my mouth and they're like, where the hell are you from? Because I have a, apparently I have a a Caribbean Spanish accent. Um, And so, but like, I would, I would, you know, be like, um, like I remember going to the store and, you know, trying to buy some clothes and my host mother and host sister were like, yeah, but like you, you Brown people, you Indios are a lot fatter than us. So (laughs) (laughs) just, (laughs) I was like, you better shut your mouth right now. <laughs> you
0: see, it's because you don't say you don't say words all fancy, like, oh,
2: no, is, <laughs> is, is it true that the Spanish switched the way that they speak and they have that list because there was a, a royal that had a list, so they had to copy him? Now, like, I'm not sure
0: if that's true but they do do that I've definitely like, heard, they say things
2: I
1: like, heard that rumor I don't know if it's true but I definitely I, have heard that
2: oh like you guys are dumb you guys literally adopted a a, a just because of someone what <laughs>
1: listen they
0: take their I'm royals very, very seriously they're in Europe
1: yeah that's <laughs> like I was about to say that sounds very on brand for any European country you know? <laughs> like I it, it sounds really on brand for France. It sounds on brand for just about any European country you could think. Yeah,
2: of. yeah, yeah. So
0: literally, it, just pick one. This movie,
1: <laughs> yeah, for
2: real. This movie was. I could see why it was. It, it was definitely very interesting for me because it just took me back to what I lived and kind of just I heard those accents and it at it, it, it home. But it was like these people are assholes. <laughs> okay (laughs) this is the way you treat people like that's not okay and they themselves were drunks and like not Mm -hmm. the quality of people to begin with so um but but they wouldn't pay attention to their kids the freaking kids were out with rifles shooting cows and shit just because they wanted to like there was no rules happening in this movie
1: sounds like it was a pretty glaring social commentary
2: yes definitely huge
1: you know kind of one of those Showing the mirror kind of works, Mm
2: -hmm. and it's available on
0: Max, so you guys can Mm -hmm. check it out. A lot of Criterion movies are actually on uh, on Max, and so this one is available. And what I think is really really funny, oh my god, what's really funny about this is it doesn't take place in one of the big cities like Buenos Aires or you know one of the Mm -hmm. bigger cities. It takes place in like a little tiny town of Salta.
2: Salta, yep.
0: And the more inward you get, it's funny, it's reverse of here in the U.S. where the smaller the town, the bigger the hillbilly. Yeah. Where we're in like South America, the smaller the town, the more invasive the racism and a higher class of people because all most of the poor people live in the big cities.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: You know what I mean? And then the richer people live in the isolated small towns outside.
2: So it's like a very classist society happening there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's
2: hilarious. The the classes. I can't
0: believe they said that to you. That's that's kind of it's kind of fucked up.
2: (laughs) No, they were fucked up to begin with. I I had so many fights with them about being nice. Like (laughs) Like, they were like, "You're so sensitive." I'm like, "I'm sorry, I'm sensitive, or you were just mean." There's a difference.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, fucked up, dude. (laughs) <laughs> What's your last pick for us, Gina? No, we'll get. My, I think we could probably shoot this entire thing before you have to go. Actually,
2: my my beautiful, my lovely Gael Garcia Bernal in Amores Perros.
0: <laughs> uh, here we go. Now this right here, this is a fantastic film from
1: the year 2000.
2: I was directed by
1: it. that looks so cool. I'm not gonna lie.
2: It's it is well. It's an Iñarito film. uh mm-hmm. Yeah. Iñárritu pretty much remade it in Babel
0: yeah yeah
2: also stars Gael Garcia he's a bad guy in that one but like like it basically is the same thing It, it it intertwines three stories in with one theme and they all meet at one place and that's how they pass their lives with each other but in this movie it all circles around this one car crash and there are three main stories there's the first one with Gary Garcia Bernal, where he um he needs to figure out how to make a little bit more money. And he finds out that there's a dog fighting ring. So he ends up using his brother's dog to fight, to make money. But he also is having like a relationship on the side with his brother's wife as well. Um, lots mm-hmm. of lots of infidelity, lots of uh lots of messed up familial things happening there. Um, The second one, the second story is about um, a woman who is a model and uh, she's one of the biggest models in Mexico and she has a huge billboard, she's everything and she gets into this car crash and then it's a story of how it's her doom after that because if you're a model, you gotta look pretty but you're in a car crash, bye. So, So like her identity just completely flips. She doesn't know what to do with her life. She can't, she only knows how to live with her looks so she's in like story of like how she goes into this deep depression about that. And the last one is about um, a homeless man who's actually a hitman, man. Um, and he, you see him hit, make a hit on someone near the car crash. He also has dogs too, and they're all linked by dogs. Um, and just basically it's a commentary on how at that time it did not matter if you were uh, lower class, middle class or homeless you were like that that this was like post-modern mexico's depression like this how are you going to get climb yourself out of this fucked up society sort of movie um and it's really it's fast-paced at the beginning um uh, there is not that much music used as background music either there is a soundtrack for amor espero so there is some some good songs on there but the but the majority of it is again very silent background, no music, um, and then the 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 scenes are also very close. Like you can't really see what's around them, so it gives you that claustrophobic, like anxiety <laughs> feeling. Yes, like that.
1: It really creates a <laughs> of <paranoia> exactly.
2: <laughs> but this movie, I've watched it so many times. I watched it a million bajillion times. It's on Amazon Prime right now, um, and it's probably, I think, it's Gaël's one of Gaël's best works. Honestly.
0: By the way, Amores Peros is being fantastic. It really sets the standard for Inaritu as a director because before that he he had done some stuff, but he wasn't like Inaritu, you know what I mean? Yeah. He had just been making like little tiny films and his previous film, he was just a producer. This is really his coming out party as a director. Um, I love this movie. Have you ever seen it, Amores Peros? No, pelos. no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I, I, I haven't, no. Oh man,
0: I would recommend that you definitely check this out because it's fantastic. And I I need him to make more of these films and less Bardo. Mm. Bardo, I I,
1: I feel that. Yeah,
0: agree. Like, that's what I want. And I I love your picks, Gina, because they're all very much commentaries on a bunch of different things, but they all implicit a huge issue. With Latin America as a as a culture, it's a great culture, beautiful culture, full of beautiful people. But there are inherent problems, as there are with any culture. Mm -hmm. And all three of your movies shine lights on those. Now, Mm -hmm. I think we're going to run into a similar issue when we get to Nick's pick. Nick, which of your three movies have you decided to go with first?
1: Um, I want to talk about volver because I think that's the one that's freshest on my mind out of the uh out of the picks.
2: Is that the one with Penelope Um,
1: Cruz? It mm-hmm. is. I'm definitely not mad about it. it
0: Penelope Cruz. It's a Pedro Almodovar movie uh, from 2006 on Penelope Cruz, who is the most beautiful woman to ever grace the planet Earth.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. That movie is such a roller coaster. <laughs> like yeah. I remember watching it when I was like really really young. So I only remembered like the most like controversial parts of the plot. So when gearing up for this, you know and doing rewatches that was probably like the one i was like most hesitant to rewatch because you know i it it does deal with you know issues of incest and essay um but uh man oh man i wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as i did like it was it's just such a weird quirky movie isn't it (laughs) It, it goes through so many plot lines at the same time, and they all just hit you like a train. Yep, yep. <laughs> you got, like, you know, the, the, the murder that happens. You got the, you know, Penelope Cruz's character inheriting a restaurant all in the same night. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got the... The mother that has been pretending to be dead all these years. You have the friend that has like cancer. Like it, it's like it's like soap opera the movie. It's crazy <laughs> yeah. with like the, the plots. It's just it's it's insane. And I was like, holy crap! Like, yeah, it's got the those controversial things that I remembered from, you know, that were the only things I really remembered from the movie. But man, oh man, like it doesn't take itself like overly seriously and it actually has some really funny moments <laughs> like I, I would tell you that's the
0: hallmark of a, a Mal movie is not taking itself so seriously being hilarious but also kind of traumatizing
1: yeah it, it it's a weird fever dream of a movie but at the same time it had like a weird honesty to it despite yeah. being just all over the place it was um there, there were parts, especially between uh you know involving the mo- the uh, the mother and Penelope Cruz's character that were like genuinely touching,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's like it, it, it juggled <laughs> just so much stuff within the narrative. It was like the weirdest amalgamation. It was like a watching a mixtape of a movie. It was it was the most insane thing I've seen in a bit in a good way. <laughs> No, I I, I love Oviedo.
0: I think it's one of Maldivar's finest films, and that's saying a lot because the dude's got nonstop a lot bangers. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, as far I as was, Spanish directors go, you know. Oh yeah, I, I was definitely looking into his filmography after watching that movie because I, I was interested, you know, because he's a writer director, and I don't know, like I've I've always like I have a special place in my heart for writer directors as long as they're not named Rob Zombie. Yeah <laughs> <And> all right <laughs> <laughs> I can I I have I I do not like rob zombie movies just uh, that that's a subject for another time but um yeah, no, like, I, I was looking into his his body of work, and, like, all his movies just seem, like, strange and complex, and I, I'm not going to lie, I, at one of these points, I kind of want to do a deep dive into his filmography and just kind of explore some of his hmm. his stuff, because I haven't really watched any other films of his other than Volver. Oh,
0: man, I could give you at least a list of 10 that you should check out, including Pain and Glory, which came out in 2019, it was a fantastic movie. I, oh. I'm i not too fond of the Spanish directors because I feel like a lot of them had the luxury of being Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they That's write fair. these movies about being European, and they are less relatable to someone like myself or someone like Gina, who we're, mm. we're not Anglo-Spanish, you know what I mean? Yeah, At all. Like, I feel it. I, I, none of that. I, I, my, my mom's white, so I mean, I kind of,
1: same with you, Nick, right? Mm-hmm. oh yeah well my 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 dad was white yeah see there you go white. yeah you, you you get what i mean and it's a little different
2: i'm 50 percent, but i don't look it so
1: <laughs> that's right I, yeah.
0: I look it people always tell me they're like you don't look you look nate like pacific islander i'm like it's the hair. people
1: tell me i don't look like you know that they think they always think i'm just straight white at first when they you first see me. Yeah, I've gotten that a lot. I've gotten Asian a lot.
2: Asian, I've really? Native
1: American. I've I've gotten I've gotten like all sorts of things. Like, but yeah, no, like mainly people are like, oh yeah, you're white. But then they take a little, they they look a little longer, and they're like, no, you you got some, you got some skin, you know, in type. There some deeper skin tone in there. There was something you're mixed with something, and it's like, I don't know, man. man, man,
0: man. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely. See, and and it's funny because that's what I love about being Central American is there's no one way to look. Now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the one way that most of us look is under five foot six.
1: I got to five nine over here.
0: I got to five nine. That's a victory lap for me. I'll tell you.
1: Oh uh, man, I'm I'm a fucking giant, dude. I tower over everybody. Uh. <laughs> hey, can't relate. Shut up. I'm six foot four, man. It's, it's, then, it's there's,
0: then there's G- then there's Gina who's like five two.
2: I'm five six, <laughs> okay? <laughs> i am not a chaparre. Sure.
1: What whatever you did, say like at five feet. That's it. And I'm six foot four. So it's kind of it's like, <laughs> a hell of a difference. No, I love
0: that. I, I saw I saw the photo, it made me laugh hysterically. Uh, <laughs> I, I was laughing at my ass. I was like, "Oh my god! Did she just pick a big bird on the way over? What happened there?"
1: <laughs> I, I look like it's one of girl. those like created characters where you like maximize the height, and they just <laughs> like <stretch> out. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that's what I look like.
0: <laughs> I, lo- I love it. I love it. Uh, that's a great first pick, in Volbert. What is your second pick, Nick?
1: My second pick, I got to go with fans labyrinth which it's it took me way too long to finally see that movie but hot damn i'm so glad i finally saw it that movie now we're talking
0: about perhaps my favorite latin director yeah. willie the oh. bull himself oh, yeah
1: the the undisputed like holy shit i mean like the, the creature design you know i'm one of the big things that I like to do is creature design, so, like, you know, that's that's yeah. one of the big things that drew me to the film, but what I found more interesting while watching the film was actually the war narrative. You know what I mean? The Francoism?
0: Like, yeah. The Francoist-Spain narrative from World War II? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, you know, lear- learning about, you know, that, you know, Spanish Civil War stuff, and the villain in that movie, like, he is such a bastard like holy shit if he didn't right if 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 what happened didn't happen i would have been very upset and that's like one of the few instances where i can easily say that in a movie like i'm usually all good with downer endings but man that one was right uh. like a train yeah, I, and I knew it was coming because it, the ending had been spoiled for me years ago. Like, I, I knew what happens at the end. But it's like, knowing doesn't soften it. It just makes it, you, like, more nervous about it coming. And when it finally did, it was like, oh, oh shit. What yeah. Uh, that... who's was your favorite moment? In the My movie? favorite moment? Um... It's probably going to sound super stereotypical but the uh the eye monster for sure of course
2: he's classic oh Oh, no
1: yeah oh no he's yeah that's doug jones yeah doug jones fucking killing it yet again in a guillermo Toro film i mean fucking a like just the creature design of that particular monster had to be like one of my favorite things about the film like just in general and I, I really, you know, I, I also really love the end sequence, too. Like, the end sequence was another favorite scene of mine. The whole actual labyrinth scene. Oh,
2: I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I amazing. was just going
1: to say,
0: that's my favorite scene is when we meet the only first, the tree just, like, opens. And...
1: Yeah. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. That, that that movie is so beautiful. And, um, you know... uh i already own my third pick and then volvere i only rented but pan's labyrinth i knew i had to buy because i knew i would love it like Mm -hmm. i've known i would love it so i i i had to buy it i was like man if i just rent this and don't buy it i'm gonna regret it i already know Yep. (laughs) so i bought it to watch it so and i'm so glad i did because wow that's a that's such a good movie
0: I love that there's a story behind each of your three picks because I can't wait to tell stories for all three of mine as well because they're all very different in how I watched them and where I watched them. But I love Pan's Labyrinth. I actually watched this in a... I took a a class at ASU talking about uh, Latin American filmmaking, Mm -hmm. which they actually teach. And I had to basically take a scene from Pan's Labyrinth and break it down. And I took the scene where where Vidal is strategizing what is the next move uh, by the Mm. firelight and the only light in that scene is the fire there's no overheads there's nothing else it's just strictly the flames from the fire which are in the backdrop and we are facing the fire and everybody's on the side and i broke that scene down and i think it's a beautiful scene and it's no wonder that this film won best cinematography oh
1: yeah it i mean I, i i just think of all sorts of different moments that movie I could tell I'm going to be a rewatching and B that movie is going to stay with me for a very, very long time because it definitely had a profound emotional impact. And I'm, I'm a hardened fucking guy when it comes to fucking film. Like I, I, I don't get moved easy and I got moved. So yeah. uh, see, I'm a little sissy man. So I love
0: it. <laughs> I cry in movies. I love it. No, your last pick uh, before we get to it. I want to, uh, once you introduce what the movie is, I want to bring up a point and I want to get your opinions on something. So can you tell everybody what the last pick is?
1: Okay. Um, okay. I For the last pick, I had to go with something that has been one of my favorite movies since childhood. Desperado.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I love this film. It's so good. Now, before we get into it, I want to ask you guys a question. Hmm. It
0: stars Antonio Vandere and Mariachi. Mm -hmm. Banderas is not Western Latino. He is Spanish by birth. Mm -hmm. He's from Mayega. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: How do you guys feel about Spanish actors taking the roles of Mexicans and South Americans in movies as opposed to finding an actor who is, in fact, Mexican? Because, you know, uh,
1: Carolina's played by Salma Hayek,
0: who is from Veracruz.
2: Right, right. You know, I never thought of that.
1: I would say it happening in the 90s makes sense because that's a very 90s thing to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this day and age that would not be the play to play at all not and by a long shot i i, well, I don't even think the, well even the drug peaking
0: he pin he's not hispanic at all he's portuguese he's from portugal which is yeah. not even close right
1: yeah no like it, it was, you know, that film has a very interesting cast because it, it's it's just all all sorts of, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like they, they definitely probably should have had more actual Mexican actors in that. But, I mean, it was 90s Hollywood, so I could definitely understand why. You know, if you had just a slightly... Tan enough skin, you passed enough as as Hispanic or yeah.
0: In, well, you know, and I'm, I'm, pretty sure Ro- right. I'm pretty sure Rodriguez. I'm pretty sure Rodriguez thought to himself, "Fuck it, they won't care." At the yeah, time, that, he
2: was a heartthrob at the time. Like he he pulled the movie because he was also a heartthrob. Like you know. <laughs>
0: so I mean, like, have you seen the guy? Have you right? seen the guy?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, talking about Paris and fucking Desperado. I mean, come on. Both him and Selma Hayek are absolute fucking sex symbols. Right. So Yeah. So that, that that is what like part of what made that movie so fucking great. Because they're yeah. both two of the sexiest people on fucking earth.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: oh my god, that film. Oh just I love it.
0: <laughs> now it's about a uh, it's about a, a guy who's a former musician and a gunslinger, so it's kind of a western, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it, is, it is very much so Western. It's the second in his Mariachi trilogy, which Antonio Banderas actually wasn't the original Mariachi. I forget who it was. I think it's actually one of his friends in this movie that played the Mariachi in the original, which I think is kind of uh, funny. Uh, gotcha. If I'm not mistaken, the guy looks eerily... If it's not, I'd be surprised, but the guy looks a lot like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the guy with so the, the original... Team,
0: yeah, he has the two guitars.
1: The uh, mm-hmm. original mariachi
0: was played by him. His name is Car- Carlos Gallaudo. And yeah. uh, he's also a producer on the film. And guess what? He's actually Mexican. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like what Nick said, like back in the 90s, also we weren't like, we didn't have as much access to this much information. So back then we were just kind of getting whatever media was uh, being fed I to us, right? I think Hispanics-
1: was anybody who spoke spanish back then mm-hmm. like that that is it it was just like an umbrella like oh you're supposed to be mexican well i guess we'll get like you know this cuban guy or right. something it, it'd be like you know it, it was very much so just like an umbrella it was like you know I, I don't think they got super specific with it nowadays you, you can't get away with that at all but back then Pretty much so how they work
2: right like we just kind of took whatever media was given to us we didn't actually have like a voice to, to comment and be like hey this isn't a mexican person what are you doing
1: yeah you know like know? how dare you
2: yeah yeah <laughs> like the whole like scarlett johansson thing with her being you know in- oh god oh right right that still
1: pisses me off
2: exactly (laughs) but like they knew it was a flop because we're able to comment and stuff on their like videos and trailers like they now Mm. know right whereas before we were like i guess we'll just watch it and if we don't like it cool
1: yeah no like the internet wasn't what it was back then so i think that you know just in general people all over the world just didn't have as much of a voice i mean like you look at like Asian representation, for example. That's that's a whole, you know, it's it's the same it's the same dance, different, you know, different mm-hmm. genre. Yep.
0: You know what there's I mean? actually I'm glad you mentioned that it, because there's a really good joke in um I forget the the comedy that came out this year with the Asian actresses. Uh oh, I think I
1: know it what was, you're talking about. It was that you know one talking where about, I gotta, like, all on like a road trip or something, right? Like Joyride. 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 Yep, Joyride. Uh,
0: so the lead actress in Joyride is Korean, but in the movie, she's Japanese, and then later in the movie, spoiler alert, discovered she's actually Korean. <laughs> <laughs> oh! So her whole life, she thought she was Chinese. She was Korean the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, really funny. Really funny movie. Great movie. I really recommend you guys check that out. I really recommend you guys check out Desperado if you haven't. Desperado is a fun, sexy, cool, oh my God. amazing.
1: What, it has some of the best action sequences ever. I would say Robert Rodriguez is firing on all cylinders. Um, I have a very – I wouldn't say love-hate relationship with his work, but definitely his stuff more oriented towards adults I typically tend to love. Um, Nick, he made he made the worst movie I've seen this year. Yeah. Yeah. What what was it? A spike was it the Spy Kids re, uh, reboot? No, no,
0: what?
1: What did he make hypnotic,
0: hypnotic, hypnotic with Ben Affleck I'm sorry, I'm and Alicia. Alice Alice Brown?
2: Ben Affleck that I ended when you said Ben Affleck, oh, I was like, okay, yeah, first of on, all, anybody. Ben
0: Affleck speaks better Spanish than all of us in
1: this room, <laughs> 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 yeah, he does. <laughs> hypnotic, why have I not heard of this film? Because so it sucks. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like it's great, but yeah, no, I, I, I actually hadn't heard of this film like at all. He made that? Huh. He made but, it, and it's the
0: worst movie I've seen in twenty twenty uh, three. One hundred percent.
1: Let let me <laughs> oh, say, yeah. like the films that I love of his are, you know, obviously the Mariachi series, um, Sin City. Uh, I feel like there's a couple others, but more so like 90s, early 2000s ish era. That's when I think Robert Rodriguez. That's what I think of. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know it. Like after, by the time Machete started being a thing, he started to lose me there. But I'm not gonna lie, right? Because it started getting a little bit like okay. Yeah, he just sort of fell apart uh, doing that stuff. Uh, But it's fine. It is what it is. Kind of became a bit of a parody of himself in a weird way. A little
0: bit. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So for my first pick, I went with a film that is not only written by a woman, directed by a woman, stars most, uh, two females, and is about an LGBTQ woman in the uh, in the Chicana uh, lifestyle. Uh, it's so much more than that. It's a coming-of-age story, and it's called Mosquita y Marí.
1: Oh yeah, I was reading ri- that. That looks really good.
0: It's written and directed by Aurora Guerrero. That same class where I, you know, rewatched *Pans Labyrinth*. In our final, we had to pick a movie, and I picked this one to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely fantastic. It takes all of the best things about uh 2000 uh, the 2010s indie scene, yeah. and juxtaposes them onto a LGBTQ story about uh two about a young lady who doesn't want to disappoint her parents and who doesn't know what she wants to do with her life and who doesn't understand how to navigate the world as as yet a woman, but also a girl. This came out about a year and a half before Blue is the Warmest Color, which was a French movie. Um, and in that movie, they're a little bit older than the characters in this movie, but this movie is so fantastic when you're looking at it from the female lens because I can't ever... Personally, experienced that, but now I can sort of figure out what that feels like as a Chicana, as a, a Latin woman, growing up in LA, growing up in, in America, in a country where your parents don't feel uh, like it's their home.
1: Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: oh yeah. And yeah, definitely. I'm sure that comes
1: with all sorts of fucked up expectations on society side, and just at home as well, and especially being an LGBT relationship and uh probably i'm guessing like a traditional mexican family is you know that's that's got to be really tough too
0: very traditional mexican her mother uh doesn't even want her talking to
1: boys oh,
2: that, that was very common for me i wasn't allowed to have guys as friends i wasn't allowed to, talk to them. i wasn't allowed anything because like the assumption was if i were to talk to a, a boy at all I turn into a little whore. That that was literally what I was told.
0: Uh, to be fair, y'all, Latinas, is very like, uh, how do I put this nicely? Uh, robust in your ability to get have children.
2: <laughs> well, I'm 35. <laughs> this bitch is living the dink life, double income, no kids life, and I'm happy about it. So <laughs>
0: they're they're very fertile, uh, <laughs> yep. the Latin women. Yep. Uh, so. Yeah, I get that. I, and I totally understand that. And and I, But that's the thing. I, I I personally could never experience that. What is amazing as well is that the main character, Yolanda, her name is Mosquita, which is Little Mosquito. Uh, she's a good girl. She, got, she does her homework. And she meets Mari, who is this badass bitch, like biker chick, like badass girl. And mm-hmm. it's clear that Mari is a lesbian. like she knows it exactly Uh, but let's get to the next pick while we're talking about that because I know you have to go real soon and I really want to talk about this next one with you before we get to the last one the next film is written and directed by another one written and directed by a woman Uh, but this time it's a a film that takes place in and around Costa Rica Uh, it's directed by Natalie Morales who's an American I believe she's actually Cuban stars Mark Duplass and Natalie Morales herself called Language Lessons. I saw, So I saw Mari in, Mosquita and Mari at her class. I saw this at South by Southwest in Ooh. 2021. And this movie is incredible. Mark Duplass plays a gay man whose husband Will buys him 52 Spanish lessons. One per week for a year. And they're done digitally with his her teach, his, his teacher, Careño who's a Costa Rican woman, played by Natalie Morales, who also directs the film. And as the movie progresses, Adam, Mark Duplas' character, becomes so much better at speaking Spanish, and all of their conversations start to occur in Spanish. And what it really pop- what it really is is it's the friendship developing between two characters who don't ever seem to be on the uh, two characters that you would think would get along or would be right. in each other's lives. And they become so much more to each other than just teacher and student. And it's a beautiful film. And if you guys have never seen this, good Lord Almighty, it's on Max. Watch it tonight. You'll cry. You'll laugh. It's beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful film.
2: So it's about someone who's learning Spanish and they get they get one lesson a week or they got weekly lessons to go through. And then from mm-hmm. there, they start to, do they start to develop the friendship with someone else or with the person that's teaching them?
0: They, they, these two develop the relationship between each other, the friendship between each other. Because as you all remember, Adam is gay and his yeah. husband bought him his present. I won't reveal anything else about Will, the husband, and you know, Mark Duplass' character. And I, I won't reveal Mark anything Duplass. about, he's the best. I also won't reveal anything else about Careño. She's a great character. Um, but Mark Duplass speaking Spanish, I never thought I needed to see this. But the entire trailer for this movie is him talking about the uses of ustedes.
2: <laughs>
0: and it's I'm fucking gonna phenomenal.
2: phenomenal. I'm going to watch it. It's
0: fucking it. phenomenal. I'm to watch uh, it. This movie's incredible. And I'll get to my last film, uh, my last pick, because I think it's the most important film on the list here, uh, and I want to talk about it. And it's a movie that came out, uh, it was released and produced by Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna. They were both producers on this film, which is written and directed by Carrie-Joy Fukunaga, who is a fucking phenomenal director, he did *Beast of No Nation and True Detective Season 1. Ooh. So, uh, Kari, jo, Kari Joji Fukunaga did this film called Sin Nombre, which is about a young Honduran girl and a Mexican gangbanger who tried to journey across the U.S. border. It's it's very much MS-13, the movie. Um, this it movie a is intense. intense. It's an intense film. Intense
2: film.
1: The, the 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 breakdown of it because I, I was reading you know up on everybody's picks before you know we filmed this it looked so intense like it definitely looked like one of those films where it's like oh man this is gonna be a this is gonna be a ride <laughs> this I watched, one I,
2: watched, I saw I watched it in L A when we they had like this like movie indie movie night at like in this plaza and I watched it out there it was wow it was one of those movies where like I had to like Get up and just stop for a second. I couldn't, couldn't watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, and especially if it's about MS thirteen, that's
2: yeah,
1: eesh, yeah, that's rough. I re-
0: I rented it on a whim, and uh, because it was a movie that was in Spanish, and I saw that it, it debuted at Sundance and he won the director award, and I saw that Gael Garcia Bernal was a producer as well as Diego Luna were producers on the film, and they're executive producers, which means they didn't really do anything; their names were just on it, um, but still. This film is incredible. Uh, Fukunaga went on to do some stuff that's a lot bigger, but good lord, this is a fantastic film. And if you haven't seen it, my god, what a film! What a picture. Sin nombre. You'll laugh. You'll cry. God damn, it's so good. It's so good.
1: Hell yeah! It it it, I I'll have to check it out for sure. It's
0: It's on there. It's on prime. It's a fantastic fucking movie. And anybody who's ever been through the immigrant story or has a family member who's been through the immigrant story, this is going to touch you. It's going to hit you right in your fucking skull. And it's amazing. I love this movie. And these are the type of stories that get told, but not true. They're not true. Mm -hmm. You know, and Mm -hmm. the thing about Kari Joji Fukunaga is he's American and he's Japanese, but he writes from a place where he understands the story.
1: Yeah. And that, that that's, and that's, that's important. extremely important for yeah, anybody who's writing something that that's going to be that har- harrowing, you know, that they need to really understand you know the human aspect of it all in order to really correct. And out. I really
0: I really feel like this is this is the the sleeper hit movie of of our of this podcast. It was put out by Focus Features, so you know it's fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah.
2: Big time. So it's, it it's kind of feels like a documentary, kind of not. It's shot that way. It's shot yeah. that
0: way. Almost like a true life. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I love this movie. Those are our picks for this month. We're just going to go ahead and end it right here. Because so right. you're going to go, Gina. Welcome. Gina, okay. tell people where they can find you online so that we know uh where to stalk you online. And why is your name Michelle on Instagram?
2: <laughs> My name Michelle on Instagram because... I don't want people finding me on Instagram. That's why. <laughs> but on my TikTok, my TikTok is D-R dot Doctor dot chiquita genita. And that's my TikTok. Correct.
0: Because she's an actual doctor and she actually is on TikTok and has a ton of followers. And unlike <laughs> me who doesn't have a minute.
2: Because
0: I don't know how to use it. Um nick where can they follow you and physically assault you uh they, they can follow me
1: <laughs> they can follow me on nick j ripley official um my twitter is ripley j nick my band is Futilitarian librarians and uh uh my uh first two books should be coming out this winter if it all goes according to plan Love so that's yes. very very very
0: happy to hear that uh you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, all that bullshit. Film snob reviews, but also I have my own personal Twitter: w i l l last name e g u i z a b a. I'll do that on that. I wanted to let you guys know we are going to be giving away a copy of The King of Killers, Frank Grillo's new action film. All you got to do to enter: retweet or and tell us your favorite action movie, and you're eligible to win a copy of The King of Killers, which I should be receiving in the next few days. Uh, make sure you guys follow me. I'm also writing for a. Sports website. I'm writing about sports as well, so my personal Instagram, my personal Twitter has a bunch of that on there too. So if you guys want to follow me and hear me talk shit about your favorite sports team, I will definitely do that. <laughs> on top of all of my duties here I'll at the
1: I want to see what shit you got to say about Seahawks.
0: <laughs> uh, I mostly just talk about the A.F.P. style because I'm a Jaguars oh, fan. So
1: that, that that's that's fair. That's fair.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're so like I just did an article of five keys and. This, Tomorrow's game against the Steelers. Like that, you know. But I mean, I, the Seahawks are fine. Geno Smith's old. <laughs> that's that's what I have to say about that. Uh, but <laughs> thank you guys so much. This is episode, I think this is episode 30. But uh
2: 30
0: old. We'll see you guys next month. I don't know what the hell we're gonna talk about, but it's
2: we'll so excited to see.
0: See you guys later. Ciao. Peace.